This is the Overdue Homework Podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm joined by Trav, and I'm Drew, and I'm Trav, and this is the Tim and Jim podcast. Er, I'm, I'm excuse me, the Overdue Homework <laughs> Podcast. Nice. Um, as always, we are here to talk about 80s and 90s media, whether that be TV, video games, or movies. We've done a lot of movies, but all three of those things. All three. Um, how you doing, Trav? Your pen just exploded. <laughs> the pen exploded. <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. Enjoying my day off. I'm liking that we keep doing this on days off. How yeah, I like that a lot, too. It's been nice to have the day to do it and not feel like uh, rushed in the evening or anything like that. Exactly. We're not we all, yawning. Or... Exactly. We all got lives. You know, we all got lives. Um, I'm doing really good myself. Um, winter is here and in full force. Um, uh, I hope you had a good holiday season, right? I did. Uh, me I did. too. Me too. I had a really good holiday season as well. Um, don't forget to email us. Overdue Homework Podcast at gmail.com. Um, anything you want to talk about, 80s, 90s, whatever, just email us. Anything. <laughs> I'm going to do a little bit of a change of pace in this episode, and I think we're going to talk about some things that happened in 1993. So these are some things. Here we go. <laughs> uh, Bill Clinton was sworn into president in 1993 after he won the election in 1992. Um, I remember that being a humongous deal. Like he was the darling of America at the time. Yeah, he was the president for my like grade school years. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say that too. Like he was the first like. He's the guy I consider like my, the president of my youth. I right, think. exactly. So I was born during Reagan. We had Bush for one year, Herbert Walker Bush, right? That's Bush Sr. Yep. And then it was Clinton in was my Clinton. formative years growing up and growing up with Clinton playing the saxophone on late night television. And then, of course, all the jokes, all the jokes. All the jokes. Uh, that people still tell today. <laughs> yep. He's going to be the butt of jokes for the rest of his life and probably after his uh, death. Yes. <laughs> oh, Bill. Oh, Bill. Um, the Intel Corporation released their first Pentium processing chips. That's kind of cool. That is pretty cool. We still use Pentium processing chips today. So, I mean, yeah. 1993. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and we were just talking about this, but Jurassic Park came out in 1993. Uh, that was a heck of a movie. We've mentioned it uh, a little bit before, but it was a really, really big event when that movie came out. It was everywhere. It was everything. It was a blockbuster to beat all blockbusters. Oh, yeah. And we will be doing that in 2023. Here. I absolutely can't wait to do that. Yeah, I really here. can't wait to do it. Uh, you, I know you're a big fan. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers premiered for the first time oh, with their man. first entry on uh, Fox Kids. Yeah, and that's crazy, too, with the passing of Jason David Frank. Yeah, topical. That's yep. why I added it. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Fox Kids probably deserves its own episode. Just a Fox Kids oh, block. definitely. I would love to do a Fox Kids block. That, that was, would be sweet, actually. Uh, Fox Kids in the afternoon after school, man. Fox Kids. Fox Kids. Uh, were you a Bill Nye the Science Guy fan? Never watched it. Really? Never watched it <laughs> nope. at all? We used to watch it actually in class in sixth grade, which is really cool. But I loved Bill Nye big time on PBS. Nice. They would do those parody songs at the end. like uh, They parodied Blind Melon's No Rain, but it was all science stuff instead. <laughs> you know. Nice. Uh, they, I'm pretty sure they uh, parodied uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit also. 
all science stuff once again. Cool. Um, Rocco's Modern Life made its debut, debut in 1993. There yeah. we go. I can't wait to get back to some Rocco here at some point. Uh, big fan of Rocco's Modern Life. Gotta love Rocco. Oh, yeah. And then uh, you know about the Hubble Space Telescope, correct? Oh, yeah. 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 The Hubble P- Space Telescope, if you didn't know, was launched into orbit. And when it was launched, the mirror had a giant flaw in it. So they had to send up a special mission in 1993 to basically like affix glasses to the Hubble Space Telescope to focus the image. Nice. So you'd think after spending probably billions of dollars, I don't know exactly how much it cost yeah. from end to end for the Hubble Space Telescope, that you would maybe get it right the first time. Maybe. Man, talk about an expensive mistake. Yikes. I, I wonder whoever made that Whoever made that mistake, probably the people who manufactured the mirror, I would assume, Um did they face fines from the government? Did they have to pay for the second mission? Because that Probably. seems fair. <laughs> I don't think there's always next time for those guys. <laughs> May not have been next time. Nope. And then we can bring down the room big time with this one. The Branch Davidians all died in 1993. David Koresh and the FBI stormed their uh, their compound and burnt it down, killing 76 people, including David Koresh. Way to go, government. <laughs> Way to go, government. <laughs> There's really interesting documentaries and such on the Branch Davidians. and I remember the made-for-TV movies uh, that were uh, about them and stuff. Uh, I've had a lot of thoughts recently about made-for-TV movies and how I almost pine for them and miss them and how like I'll see these news stories on Reddit or just anywhere else on the internet and I'll think... You know, in like 1989, that would have been a made-for-TV movie. Yeah, like, yeah. Where are these made-for-TV movies on real crime? I want them back. Yeah. That's what I want back. They don't seem to exist. No, not on network television at least anymore. Um, I guess uh, we can move on then to our homework review bef- before we get to that. Um, I used some articles in preparation for uh, this podcast, and one was on denofgeek.com, and that was by Seb Patrick, and then another one on theringer.com, and that was by Dan Devine. Theringer.com, specifically that article, it's a really cool like interview that uh, was done with both Pete's uh, with uh, Michael Morona and Danny Tamborelli later on, so like it was, I think it was in 2019, maybe the article was written, and it's a really cool read. So if you have nice. any interest in that, it's a cool read to really go check that one out. Those links will be in our show notes, as always. All right, Trav, we're doing Nicktoons New Year's for this episode, correct? Oh yeah, and the Adventures of Pete and Pete airing on Nickelodeon, and that was created by Will McRobb and Chris Viscardi. And this episode specifically that we are doing is called New Year's Pete. And it was directed by Adam Bernstein, Bernstein, written, <laughs> written, written by Will McRobb. And its original release date was January 2nd, 1993. And of course, it's starring Big Pete, Pete Wrigley, Michael Morona, Little Pete, Pete Wrigley, Danny Tamborelli. Little Pete's uh, tattoo, Petunia, who does not make an appearance in this episode whatsoever, just in the opening credits. And then we get Joyce Wrigley, who's mom, and she was played by Judy Graff. We get Mom's Plate. Don't forget about Mom's (laughs) Mom's Plate. Plate. Uh, Donald Don Wrigley, who is dad, and that's Hardy Rawls. Pretty cool cast, very very memorable 90s character actors all around this, this show. We also have Ellen Josephine Hickel, who was played by Allison Finelli, and then Artie, the strongest man in the world, played by Toby Huss. Artie is a big feature in this episode, oh, which yeah. I was really happy about. Yeah, you know? Artie's great. Artie's the best. Any Artie episode, Artie, Artie heavy episode is great. 
And I know we've had a lot of things work out pretty nicely for this show, but its original release date was January 2nd, and that's when this episode is dropping. Yeah, that is... The coincidences are real. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess before we really uh, get started here, uh, The Adventures of Pete and Pete began on Nickelodeon in 1989. Uh, It consisted of minute-long shorts that aired as interstitials, which is just bumpers from episodes ending before a commercial, and then you go back to the other episodes. Sometimes it'd be book uh, bookended between the commercials or something like that, but they were just a minute long. And that's what I, that's how I really remember Pete and Pete, those little tiny clips that used to be on Nickelodeon and how you wanted to, I always wanted to try to piece the story together. And yeah. Like, yeah. what's the order these are supposed to be in and how am I supposed to, which you'd have no way of figuring out at the time. Yeah. You would no way of trying to go back and watch them again. You just had to try to catch them. And hopefully try to piece together in your mind how these are actually supposed to go together. They weren't really supposed to fit together in any sure. way, in any actual way. But that's what I always did as a kid, trying to figure that out. I guess. Um, eventually, they got made. Uh, they made five half an hour specials, and because of the popularity of the of these episodes, they uh, uh, ended up uh, making the regular half an hour series that ran for three seasons. So 93 to 96, and the show was largely filmed in Leona, Leona? I guess. Leona? 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 New Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then this episode, New Year's Pete, was one of those original half an hour specials before season one was actually made. But I guess those episodes, those half an hour specials, are considered as part of season one. Sure. So, So let's break it down. Let's break it down. Show opens with New Year's at eleven thirty-one p.m. Uh, Happy New Year's, young fella! Toot my leg, Grandpa! <laughs> <laughs> Starting up strong. The disses in this episode—they're <laughs> the absolute best. Um, little Pete doesn't seem to be very fond of New Year's. Nah, what's so happy about it? New Year's Eve is a joke. I mean, um, to be fair, for a kid, it kind of is a joke. It is kind. It, it really is. I can't believe that he's actually able to stay up that late. Honestly, yeah, that's true. <laughs> We're yeah. The mom's plate must be affecting her decision <laughs> to keep him be. out. Uh, to to be fair, it did seem like the Pete's kind of had the run of the neighborhood whenever they wanted to. Anyways, yeah. Um, last year, little Pete made his first New Year's resolution uh, because the grown-ups make such a big stink about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Dad was going to lose 20 pounds, and Mom's going to improve her grip strength. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Frank the Crossing Guard is going to quit smoking. This is my last one. This is my last one. Smoking on Nickelodeon. Yikes. Smoking on Nickelodeon. For a very large chunk of this episode. Yes, I was so surprised by that i was yeah it's like really like we've talked about how regular it was in movies but yeah, yeah. you would not expect to see it on a nickelodeon show no with a child with a child in frame <laughs> well, with multiple children yes. but yeah uh yes that was um uh, i was i was i was so surprised by that I especially just, I, I know this is the end of the episode but especially the weird question at the end you gonna quit <laughs> or smoke more right <laughs> A kid saying that? Okay. 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 Um, but luckily, little Pete has bigger plans. Um, if you're going to change something, I say change something that matters, like the world. The world. <laughs> um, Pete doesn't know how he's going to do it, but he knows that he needs that Riley Retro Fire jetpack is key. It uh, is key. Obviously. 
But instead, Pete is a pathetic blowhole peddling his guts out on a Stingray bike. <laughs> I love, like, the the pseudo swears that are used in this show are just the best. Like, oh, yeah. They're so good at, uh, they're so good in representing actual swears. Like, you think, dang, like, he, what? Like, can you say that? <laughs> but, yeah, you can say that. You can say blowhole on Nickelodeon. Yeah. <laughs> and it's classic because kids do find a way around that yes absolutely um pete wanted to change the world but all he's done this year is change his under underpants is he po'd you decide you decide <laughs> then he just chucks that bike yeah <laughs> see you later bike which i hope he's changed more than just his underpants but <laughs> i get the frustration for sure definitely and then we get right into this great opening theme man what do you think of that opening theme that's what i remember a lot about the show which yeah. is always kind of normal but yeah when you go through and then use mom's plate I just think, man, I've seen that probably a hundred times. Uh-huh. I remember that more than any episode specifically. Yeah, for and some... then Petunia, like I said, <laughs> I totally forgot about Petunia. <laughs> uh, for some reason, that uh, the dog and the sprinkler, like it always sticks out in my mind for yeah. some reason. That specific part of that opening, but just that uh, the sound of that opening, the the jingle jangly guitars, it's yeah. so evocative of the time. Yeah, of, it is. Of what nineteen ninety three? That whole Seattle scene of grunge yep. music and stuff it just it evokes the way the music made you feel mm-hmm. really at that time i absolutely positively love it that's for sure that's for sure uh the band in the show is called polaris uh but it's actually former uh miracle legion frontman mark mccahi Mulcahy. I don't know anything about them whatsoever but he seems like from the stuff i read he seems like he was kind of a big deal Nice. So, I really don't know anything else about the man. Look it up. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> but we're back with Pete remis- reminiscing on his uh, year and how he spent it trying to make the money to buy the jetpack. So I guess that's really the crux of the episode. This is what we're going to be exploring the whole time for the most part is how he's trying to, what his scam is, what his scheme is to make that money. Yeah, I couldn't help but think, isn't this a perfect transition episode from Kevin McAllister to Little Pete being the main subject of this episode? Some similarities. I think so. Um, Yeah, that's a really good point. I hadn't really thought of it that way. And now that you're bringing it to my attention, that makes a whole heck of a lot of sense. And plus the transition character of Big Pete. So yeah. that's that's really cool. That yeah. is really cool. I like that. I like it a lot. <laughs> I like it a lot. Everybody keeps asking me how I was going to change the world with just a jetpack, and I always said the same thing. First of all, it's not just a jetpack. It's a Riley Retro Fire Jetpack with submersible fuel pods. Then I'd say, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> that is like real legit laughter every time I watch that oh, uh, yeah. on this episode. Same here. <laughs> shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Maybe Pete would fix the ozone hole. Maybe Pete would help bring about world peace. All he knew is that he needed $458.98. Which coincidentally is nine hundred and forty six fifty nine in twenty twenty two. Did you have a thousand dollars as a ten year old? I had no <laughs> way, dream, or aspiration to get a thousand dollars into my hands when I was a kid. No. No. <laughs> that was like the more more money than I'd ever seen in my life. Yeah. So candy bars <laughs> to maybe make fifty bucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, Pete did know how he was going to make that money, though. Door-to-door landmine sweeping. 
<laughs> like, what an idea. What an idea. That just really speaks on how this this show is quite possibly the weirdest thing to have ever aired on Nickelodeon. Yeah, it is. Just around every turn, it just gets weirder and weirder and weirder. There's so many normal aspects of this episode, and then this is just so over the top with the landmines, but it's hilarious. But... It's a great bit. Yeah. The free inspection. Free inspection. Yeah. It's easy to convince people when you booby trap the yard. Yep. <laughs> Boom! Oh, you take checks? <laughs> exactly. Uh, that... I would say no. I wouldn't assume he has a checking <laughs> account but go ahead we'll say yes uh it is the only time we do get to see ellen and big pete in the whole episode which yep. is unfortunate it would have been kind of cool if the episode would have been maybe a little bit more uh representative of the whole cast but right. eh, that's what it is it's only 24 minutes long so yeah. it's not a movie by any means uh plus that's debbie harry whose dog gets blown blown up debbie harry was the lead singer of blondie oh wow yeah uh, pete and pete is a little bit famous for the cameos that they've had on their show and there's a gigantic list of all these cameos but just for a couple of them here drew carey's been on the show nice ellen cleghorn from snl's been on the show jk simmons uh jonah j jonah j jonas jameson spider-man and many other movies and those uh Farmers commercials, right? Isn't that yep, what they are? Yep. LL Cool J. Ladies love Cool James. Hey, so. nice. And then the weirdest one of all for me is Patty Hearst. Do you know who Patty Hearst is at all? I do not. So she is the granddaughter of like the Hearst uh, newspaper and media uh, fortune. And uh, she was either abducted or ran away and joined the Symbionese Lib- Liberation Army, which was like a terroristic group. All right. She robbed a bank with them and was arrested. Okay. She went to jail. Her sentence was commuted by Jimmy Carter, and then she was pardoned by Clinton. And she was on Pete and Pete. Oh, Bill. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Bill. Have you ever heard of Stockholm Syndrome? Yeah. So that was pretty famous in the court case. She claimed that she was a victim of Stockholm Syndrome. All righty. So, yep. Good enough for Bill. (laughs) What a weird thing to have Patty Hearst, of all people, on Pete and Pete. Yeah, that seems crazy. Such a weird thing. Such a weird thing. But like we said, uh, it's the only time we get to see Big Pete. It's the only time we get to see Alan. Um, Big Pete ended up messing up the whole scheme with the with the uh, landmines by saving Alan. You know, and uh, literally, little Pete says, "Big Pete messed up." Sucker punched by puberty. Yep. <laughs> That's really Hormone funny. explosion. <laughs> yep. uh, little Pete didn't blame, blame him, though. He blamed the glands in their thriving secretions. Yikes. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Jeepers, the, the writing on this show is yeah. absolutely stellar. Um, if Little Pete just had the jetpack, nothing would stand in his way, except for maybe Frank the Crossing Guard. Frank is a great character. I really enjoy Frank on the show. Yeah, he's my favorite in the episode. Um, I don't really remember him being really in any other Pete and Pete. Like, maybe he's there. Right. But I don't, like, this recall This is his him, backstory. I guess, right? This is what we get to see. But Frank says, stop. And then Pete says, you want to read the Pete parts? Pete says... Out of my way, grunge bag. I'm on my way to save the world. <laughs> Saving the world begins with pedestrian safety. Blow it out your nose hole, Frank. What was that? Blow it out your nose hole. <laughs> 
scrape me sideways, pipsqueak. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> I really liked that back and forth. Oh, man. Just s- says it right to his face. Yes. I didn't expect him to say <laughs> that, but okay. Now I'm remembering how little Pete is. Oh, boy. That's the best. I love their interactions. They're, you can almost see them being similar people in uh, a way or two, maybe. Right. Uh, but next, it's 11.43, so it's approaching midnight, thankfully for Pete. Well, not thankfully for Pete. He's still got to figure out how he's going to do his um, his uh, New Year's resolution from last year. Yeah. Um, what a way to start the year. Little Pete lost his best friend to a girl, but he still has Artie, the strongest man in the world. Uh, with Artie uh, and Little Pete uh, newspaper route, uh, Little Pete would uh, have the jetpack money in no time. Um, in fact, he'd have it in time to kick Evil's hairy butt by the 4th of July. Nice. Um, and then we get that awesome bit with Artie chucking that paper. That's amazing. Uh, hilarious. Yeah. I love that it lasted over a commercial break, right? Because he was spinning <laughs> yep. his arm and then it faded out and then yep. he's still spinning his arm. <laughs> Look at the work, son. <laughs> <laughs> but he ends up knocking down Butkins and he gives, uh, it, but it gives little Pete an idea. Um, hey, Artie. You ever done any bowling? <laughs> he has not, but he's about to. He's about to. Absolutely. My favorite part of the whole oh. episode is in the bowling. Obviously. <laughs> I mean, Artie in general, but yeah. <laughs> uh, with Artie on the bowling team, all little Pete needs to do is bet his wad on his dad's team, and voila, he'll be able to afford that jetpack. Thank goodness. Boom. Boom. Um, Artie arrives at the bowling alley, stares directly into the camera, and goes, Bowling! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Artie. Artie is the best. He's so good. He must be in other things, voicing things in Nickelodeon or Um, something. I didn't really look into it. I do know that he played a character called The Wiz on Seinfeld. Like He was like a commercial guy for this like discount retailer. So I know he was in that. I didn't... I was going to... Do a little bit of a deeper dive and look into some more of what these other characters have done. But I right. think I'll save that maybe for another Pete and Pete episode because for sure we'll be coming back to it. Oh, for definitely. Sure. Um, overall, uh, little Pete's dad is not very pleased. It doesn't really like uh, understand why uh Little Pete would even suggest having Artie. So obviously yeah. he kept it from his dad, right? Right, right. <laughs> you can't believe that Little Pete brought that mutant. That mutant. <laughs> That's a, such a 90s, late 80s, early 90s thing to call somebody. You mutant. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Some X-Men vibes. Yeah. But uh, of course, Artie has a secret weapon. Artie built the telepathic bowling ball <laughs> guidance yeah. system. Yeah. No batteries required. Just a hamster. <laughs> okay. I really do love how bad the bowling ball looks when he opens it up like yeah. the obvious hinge on the ball i yeah. love how bad as it if looks. no one would notice that <laughs> it's just yeah i love how bad it looks absolutely love it um you just think where you want that ball to go and the hamster takes over <laughs> Alrighty. <laughs> and of course with that secret weapon Artie's having the game of his life but he doesn't get to complete that last frame because Butkins signs Artie to a pro bowling contract on site. On site. Come <laughs> on. Site. Did you notice that he signed with a squiggle pen? Yep. <laughs> yep. That's hilarious. Yep. Oh, the squiggle pen infomercials, they're just all the time. I love that stuff. Yeah, I absolutely that's amazing. love that stuff. Um, and then Butkins says, I'm here to make you a very lucrative offer. Tasty sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> One of the best lines of the whole thing. Oh, boy. But uh, so 
little Pete ends up losing his bet and all of the money, so he's back to square one. Um, I really liked how when Artie shows up at the bowling alley in that scene, how he gets up next to the hand dryer and goes, ooh, free air. Free air. <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> the face on the projector where he like cough spits all over it. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just so weird. So yeah. weird. And then at the end with Pete's uh, dad saying, come on, you big, beautiful mutant. <laughs> <laughs> And then you get that quick little bit with Artie on TV because he's a professional bowler now and he can't figure out where the smell's coming from. Yeah. I love that a lot. And then uh, they show that he lives in a Porta John on a construction site. And yeah. He's got the two different shampoos. You know, one's the Seltzer Blue, one's the Head and Shoulders. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Lil Pete says that to his dad before. Where's he from? Uh, uh, Porta John. <laughs> and then, sure enough, you see he is. <laughs> it's tingling. It's tingling. <laughs> Uh, boy, but after that debacle, we are back with Frank the crossing guard. Um, the, it's a great bit again with Pete that he has to obey the stop sign that he like physically can't get around yeah. the stop sign. I love that. <laughs> so they end up in a standoff and they're kind of trading insults. I couldn't think of a better way to describe it. It's not really trading insults. It's just really a couple of lines. But yeah. uh, do you take showers with that sash on? <laughs> What's it to you, kid? So yeah, he does. I guess. <laughs> well, if he never leaves his post, I guess he never takes a shower. I guess. <laughs> 24 hours. <laughs> and then little pete obviously threatens frank's life there's 22 ways to kill a man nope 23 that ice cream scoop <laughs> so with that ice cream scoop it's like the self-clearing ice cream scoop what is the actual dead deadly part of the ice cream scoop is it the little self-clearing part <laughs> or is it like just the scooping action yeah. that you get for nobody it? truly knows and that's the only time you see little pete terrified in the episode <laughs> so at least he knows he knows it's not good whatever it is uh but by morning little pete realizes he has met his match don't you ever go home no. <laughs> Do you want to know why? If you let me cross. <laughs> yeah. So he tricked him. Obviously, I don't know why he fell for that. I but... don't either. After that huge standoff <laughs> that you gave up that easily. Yeah. So little Pete crosses and calls him a sucker. And that happens to be the last straw for Frank. He's just a lonely guy. Poor guy. Yeah. And he's just trying to do his job. Can you blame him? Yep. <laughs> including <laughs> smoking on a kid's show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> including smoking on a kid's show, which it's still just it's saying that just blows me away. Yeah. And like they, I don't even remember a whole heck of a lot of smoking on network television. I'm sure it was there, but I don't yeah. remember it. Yeah. It really wasn't on that many things. Almost everything I remember from Friends, King and Queens, it's always portrayed as a problem. Yes. It's it's not a normal thing for any character. It's either they had a crutch and they're back on it, yeah. but they need to be done again. Yeah. So yeah, this is, I mean, he is wanting to give it up. So yes. he's admitting it's a crutch, but the demographic for this show no. doesn't really make sense. That must be how they got away with it. The fact that he's always saying he wants to quit. It's gotta be. That must be the only way. Portrayed somewhat, at least as a bad thing. <laughs> but uh, moving on, I guess, because I, I just can't stop talking about it. I can't <laughs> yeah. stop talking about that. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> it's just the weirdest thing ever to me. Um, you know, uh, Frank opens up why he never leaves the crosswalk. It was all Mr. Boots' fault. He was high on catnip. Poor Mr. Boots. <laughs> Mr. Boots. My needs... dad's cat name is Boots, so that's hilarious. <laughs> Mr. Boots. Mr. Boots may be considered a troubled teen. <laughs> troubled teen. It's a, it's high a stretch. On catnip. It's a stretch. Um, <laughs> but uh, Frank looked away to light a cigarette, and Mr. Boots had a run in with a Ford Imperial. 
Roadkill pizza? No. It was close, though. <laughs> yeah. that, I mean, not that I want to hear a cat die, but that was almost not satisfying. It's <laughs> yeah, like, right. you're this, like, saddened and troubled over this, and it was just a close call? <laughs> it was just a close call. Uh, but ever since then, Frank has uh, been dedicated to his post. That means no celebrations, means no holidays for Frank. He just can't take any chances. Can't take any chances. Yep. No uh, New Year's Eve for me there, Petey. Uh, <laughs> Petey. <laughs> Frank, you need some help out here. Well, yes, because then Frank swears in Little Pete as crossing guard, and Frank takes a nap on the ground. Yeah, which cause... is going to be the most satisfying <laughs> nap ever. His life. 11 years. Of his life. <laughs> but always the schemer, Little Pete takes this opportunity to charge the people crossing the street. 20 bucks. That's extortion. I won't pay it. <laughs> Too bad you can't cross the sign physically, like you just said before. <laughs> <laughs> right. He physically can't do it, so he ends up paying for it anyways. Uh, but Pete's scheme is revealed when he gets greedy and chases down the line ho- hopper. Uh, you're going somewhere, crankbait. <laughs> Another one of those really good near swears in yep, the show. Yep. Near swear, it's really good. Uh, but because Pete left his post... Uh, Frank says, you let me down, kid. You abandoned your post. You're fired. <laughs> doesn't care. No, but fr- thankfully, little Pete, I guess not thankfully, I guess little Pete doesn't care, though. He got his money. Now he- it's time to get his jetpack. Yeah. In four to six weeks. In four to six weeks. The world will never be the same. <laughs> and I love how he killed time by learning German because he's going to some conference in Germany. Like, this is such the weirdest yeah, thing. I love that. those random things. <laughs> I don't even know if that it was probably actual German. I hope it was actual German. Uh, but it translated to bite my scab, blowhole. <laughs> like, what a great thing. And it was on a record. Like, that phrase is on a record. So did he send away for, like, near curses in German and Jew or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and his parents approved that <laughs> idea. Sure. Uh, but finally on December 19th and came, uh, he just knocks over that mailman, just destroys yep. his <laughs> Full on spears him. Oh, it's the best. History is in his hands. Imagine what Abe Lincoln could have done with a jetpack. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And it's a leaf blower. And it's a leaf blower. So, and with apparently no return policy. <laughs> I just kind of wondered, my first reaction was, was it always a leaf blower? And I this know. is just a scam to sell leaf blowers to children? Right. But I really paid attention one of them times to make sure there was nothing like in the picture or coupon that said blower at the end of it and he wasn't paying attention so i i don't know that's a good that was a good call to go back and take a look at that because you think in the small print it would have said something like actually leaf blower yeah like (laughs) actually leaf blower like feel like you're using a jet (laughs) actually a leaf actually a leaf blower (laughs) (laughs) 496.95 that was almost exactly right i think Uh, that's when Pete knew the truth, though. New Year's resolutions are a joke. A joke. Uh, little Pete tried, and all that happened was that he lost his brother, his superhero, and his dream. Uh, and just like that, Little Pete's bike rolling down the street is like his life. It's been bumpy and an out-of-control ride to nowhere. That's some deep and heavy stuff for That's a kid. Some deep and heavy stuff. <laughs> Poor kid. Seriously. Like sadness, sadness, sadness. <laughs> At this point, who would even want to celebrate New Year's? I bet Frank would. <laughs> I bet he would, wouldn't he? <laughs> 
Uh, maybe Little Pete can't make the world better for all mankind, but he can make a difference with Frank. Well, it's getting really wholesome now. It's getting really wholesome. Really wholesome. Absolutely love that stuff. And he just, you know, that all that time we get the the party where they're counting down to New Year's and uh, Pete's bike that's been rolling down the hill this whole episode. Yep. 29 minutes. <laughs> all 29 minutes of it. Um, they're counting down to actual New Year's and as it gets to zero, the bike ends up with Frank and he says stop and then little Pete's there and he says I'm sorry. Happy New Year. And it just gets even more heartwarming. Yep. <laughs> they have a short exchange. And uh, what's your New Year's resolution? Smoking. You going to quit or are you going to smoke more? This is my last one, I swear. <laughs> what about you? Still planning on saving the human race? Yeah, why not? I've got a whole year. I'll think of something. Yeah, why not just <laughs> reuse the same one as last year? <laughs> why not? Uh, with extra wholesomeness and tons of heart, Pete and Frank spend the start of the new year together. And roll credits. Roll credits. Roll credits. When he's riding that bike around him, like, it's so, like, emotional almost. Yeah. Like, it's a true connection between those two, and the music is super fitting for it. Yep. It's really good. Yeah. I was just like, when I watched this with my wife and my daughter one evening. I'm like, Evie, we're going to watch Pete and Pete. And I was like, well, some of the content's a little questionable, I guess, <laughs> halfway through, but it was okay. Uh, but at the end of it, it, was like, dang, that was so wholesome and had so much heart. Yeah, like, definitely. Oh, man, oh, man. So my final opinion is I don't think we could have chose a better episode for this time of year. I don't think so either. Um, and I can't wait to do more Pete and Pete and try and stop me from watching the whole series like next week. <laughs> like, try and stop me. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, what about you, Trav? Yeah, I really liked the episode. Like I said, it's Kevin McAllister-esque. Yes. And then you got the wholesome ending, unlike... A lot of Nickelodeon things we've covered, there actually is things to learn in this episode. There is. But there's still all the random stuff yes. that makes the episode funny. And something else I notice is how little Little Pete seems rewatching this now as an adult. Mm -hmm. I feel like I was way closer to his age when I watched it mm -hmm. and never thought that before. And um, yeah, I like Artie, the strongest man. In the world. <laughs> That's a really good impression. You should go as him for Halloween. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's a pretty easy costume. It would too. be a pretty easy costume. <laughs> Just have to find a, 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 some sort of jumpsuit. Yep. <laughs> the yellow one was a jumpsuit, right? Yeah. And the yeah. other one's like a two-piece pajama. Yeah, the other one is definitely a two-piece pajama. <laughs> Oh, boy. That's just a great episode, and I can't wait to revisit some Pete and Pete and uh, anything else that we can do with that show. Yeah. It's just I just think it's funny that we're, oh, let's look up something New Year's. And right. This, like you said, this just turned out to be the most perfect episode for it. It did. It really did. Um, I want to move on to the homework assignment now that we've gotten that out of the way. Let's do it. Um, we are assigning. We are shifting gears very hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we even forgot to push the clutch in, and we were just jamming it into a new gear. Because we are going to be doing 1991's Silence of the Lambs. Uh, thank you, Lauren, for the suggestion. Um, the release dates for this movie were January 30th, 1991, and that was the New York City premiere. Um, it released nationwide February 14th, 1991. Seems like a pretty good movie for your Valentine's Day, sweetie. 
<laughs> That's hilarious. Um, it had a budget of $19 million. Its box office was $272.7 million. Wow. That's $596.6 million in 2022. Thank you, USinflationcalculator.com. Huge. Um, distributed by Orion Pictures. Now, I'm going to take a second to talk about Orion Pictures. That production company sticks out in your mind, correct? It does not. It does not? No. There's so many Orion movies from the 90s, like that star background, and then you'd see like the three stars, and they'd like swirl around, and it's like, Orion, and anytime <laughs> I'd know, anytime I, that Orion like production company came up, I was like, this movie's going to be awesome. It was <laughs> Orion was like the epitome of what I wanted to watch. I'm sure if I saw that, I would recognize oh, it. Oh, you would 100% recognize it. The second it. movie here I've seen. Uh, so Amadeus, Orion Pictures, uh, produced in 19. 19- 1984 platoon in uh, 1986 uh, charlie sheen maybe someday we'll get to that but that's someday that's a super heavy movie um hoosiers also in 86 which is widely considered to be one of the best sports films ever made throw mama from the train in 1987 and that's billy crystal and danny devito Oh, yeah. We should definitely do that at some point because that's something I need to see. Yes, it is something you definitely need to see. And then Dances with Wolves in 1990. I kind of have a tie, a very loose tie to Dances with Wolves. Nice. So a sixth grade teacher of mine named Arn Kind is a big time like historical revivalist recreationist and stuff. Mm-hmm. And in the opening credits, there's a scene where they're going across a civil war battlefield. And he's in the middle of that scene, like doing something with his gun or something like that. But I just remember when I, okay. So short explanation here in our school district, when I was a kid, we went K through five in an elementary school Everybody went to a specific school for sixth grade, and then everybody went to high school for seventh through twelfth grade. Okay. So one year at the sixth grade school, Franklin, when I got there, they're like, Mr. Kind is a movie star. <laughs> and it was it's the biggest thing ever. So it's just an interesting thing. Like, that's what I always think of when I think of Dances with Wolves. Nice. It is a good movie if you've never seen it. I do recommend it. It's probably one of the best Kevin Costner films that you could probably well, you could watch. Nice. Um, Orion's highest grossing films were one, Dances with Wolves, and Two Silence of the Lambs. There we go. There we go. And Dances Wolves Dances with Wolves made four hundred and twenty four point two million dollars. So big deal movie in nineteen ninety. Um so uh, Silence of the Lambs was directed by Jonathan Demi, screenplay by Ted Talley. What a great name. My name's Ted Talley. Ted Talley. Ted Talley. Based on uh, Silence of the Lambs by Thomas Harris. It was produced by Kenneth Ut. It. <laughs> Edward Saxon and Ron Bozeman, starring Jodie Foster as Clarice Starling. Um, Jodie Foster's breakout movie role was in 1976 as Taxi Driver. Have you ever seen that movie? Nope. So it's uh, Robert De Niro's in that movie. He's literally a taxi driver. He discovers that a child prostitute is being like held captive, so he goes on a vigilante mission to save her, and that child prostitute was a young Jodie Foster. Oh, okay. So it's, it's a very, very, very good movie. It's a very, very rated R movie. It's a very heavy, very scary. It's a very good movie. Um, she was also in Maverick in 1994, which is that cool like cowboy poker movie with Mel Gibson. That's a fun movie. Maybe we'll have to do that one sometimes. Besides, Mel Gibson is a little problem problematic nowadays. I yes. guess uh, separate the man from the work, from the art. Yep. Mel Gibson. I wonder if I can do that. 
Um, plus many, many more movies that, uh, frankly, I haven't seen. <laughs> <laughs> and then also the uh, the star of the movie, the whole, I don't know, the best actor in a lot of movies ever. Yeah, yep. Anthony Hopkins as Dr. Hannibal Lecter. He was in 1980's The Elephant Man, 1992's Bram Stoker's Dracula, 1995's Nixon, which I, that Nixon box on the vhs mm-hmm. like i just remember anthony hopkins as nixon in the video store yeah like i'd walk past him there's nixon there's hey nixon, nixon. <laughs> <laughs> so anthony hopkins if you ever find a movie with anthony hopkins in it it's usually going to be a plus yes we get uh, scott glenn as jack crawford and he was in 1983's the right stuff which is a cool movie about the beginnings of the um, space program and the uh, moon missions and he was in 1990s the hunt for red october ted levine plays jamie buffalo bill grumb what a terrible grum i'm assuming i just like to do the b anyways <laughs> what a terrible last name um he was in 1995's heat which is an awesome heist movie i don't know if you've ever seen that one it's a great heist movie it's one of those double vhs movies that uh, you got to set aside six hours of your day for. <laughs> oh my! It's not six hours long, but they always feel like they take that long because you're always taking breaks, time for lunch, all that type of stuff. Yep. Um, Chris Isaac, he was the SWAT commander, and he was in 1992's Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me, which is an absolutely stunning David Lynch movie. A lot of people don't like it, but I'm a big Twin Peaks guy, so I love it. Love it. Um, he was also, he is the Wicked Games dude, so Wicked Game dude, you know that music video, right? Where he's like sing, oh, I want to fall in love. You know that song, <laughs> right? You know, no, you know. I okay. don't know that song. You would recognize the music video. I'll put the music video in the show notes. I'll put the link to it because um, if you can find the Beavis and Butthead watching Wicked Game because it's, nice. it's hilarious. It's hilarious. That was a very sexy music video. <laughs> very sexy music video for 10-year-old Drew on MTV. <laughs> um, uh, Charles Napier, who we have dealt with before, was is Lieutenant Bill Boyle, and we talked about him a little bit in the, not the Cable Guy episode, but it would have been the next episode after Cable yeah, Guy. Yep. Um, so he was in Cable Guy as the cop, and he's also in 1997's Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery. We should do that movie sometime. Yeah, we should. Love me some Austin Powers. Well, I'm super excited to shift some gears and do something crazy and uh, scary. Yeah, way scary. Yeah, it's going to be really, really cool. Um, Do you have anything else, Trav, you want to talk about with Silence of the Lambs? Mm, I don't think so. All right, let's hit those emails, please. Let's do the emails. So, first email today comes from Larry's Canary. says, I loved your Christmas episode and hearing your favorite Christmas gifts from when you were a kid. Do you have any favorite memories of a New Year's when you were younger? Hmm. Now, like we said, New Year's wasn't usually too big of a deal when you were a kid. No, it wasn't. Um, I do remember... It wasn't every year, but I'm pretty sure my parents hosted the New Year's party a couple of times while growing up and having to go to bed. I do remember having to go to bed during New Year's while there was people in the house and stuff like that. Um, But really, my strongest New Year's memory, I think... Uh, from that time era, I'm going to go right at the end, uh, was the whole Y2K thing. <laughs> and uh, 1999, when it changed to, to midnight for the year 2000, I was in my friend's car in the middle of the country trying to find a party somewhere. And he <laughs> looks at the clock and goes, hey, it's the year 2000. And I was like, oh, 
<laughs> it was the most <laughs> anticlimactic uh, Y2K thing I uh, I could have experienced, I think. Yeah, that's pretty funny that you picked that because, as usual, I picked the same thing I remember <laughs> in 99. Mine was a little different. I wasn't looking for a party, but there was a Dragon Ball Z marathon on TV. Nice. And it was the Garlic Jr. saga. Oh, so cool. I always think of that saga around New Year's time for whatever reason. So you could have been watching DBZ while the world was ending. Well, the world was ending. That's how much I was worried. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> yeah, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out watching some Dragon Ball Z. You and me both. Uh, next email here comes from Master Roshi. He wants to know, what TV show or shows have you been watching lately that are not related to the podcast? Well, we both have been talking a quite a bit about GBBO, oh, which yeah. <laughs> is uh, a really, really great show, Great British Bake Off, uh, which isn't it the Great British Baking Show in uh, Great Britain? Or, or no, it's called Bake Off. It's called there. Bake Off. And there, on yes. Netflix, it's the Great British Baking Show. The Great British Baking Show, yes. Yeah. Um, that one for sure. We just, what did we just finish up? We just, that's how much it made an impression on me. <laughs> we, we just finished it. I can't remember what it is, but we're going to be starting The Boys uh, tonight, probably, which I'm super excited for that we we still haven't watched that yet. So. The third season. Yes, the third season oh, of The Boys. Whew, nice. Uh, yeah, definitely been pounding Great British Baking Show for myself. <laughs> made it through all the stuff on Netflix, watching some holiday stuff, bought the board game. It's amazing. <laughs> if you like any sort of cooking show, watch Great British Baking Show. Uh, other shows I've been going through is all the Marvel stuff. I was way behind uh, on the Marvel stuff. I'm watching with a buddy on Tuesdays, and we're up through Hawkeye, halfway through Hawkeye. Nice. And then I'm going through with Lauren on Marvel Mondays, we're calling cool. it. Cool. And we just finished WandaVision and started Falcon and Winter Soldier. What did so. you think of WandaVision quickly? I, I love it. I've I've loved, I've loved all of them honestly, but I saw Doc Strange without having seen WandaVision, oh, so it's yeah. just added this totally different for perspective sure. for it. So, yeah, Marvel and Great British Baking Show. Uh, next email here comes from Jar Squared Binks wants to know if you were a Jedi, what color would your lightsaber be? Well, the. The dark saber. Have you seen the dark saber? I've yeah, seen, it seen looks it. so cool, but you can't. Have, I can't choose black. I can't choose <laughs> yeah. the dark saber. I guess I think I would go with classic Luke Skywalker green. Nice. I think that's what I would go with. Maybe some Mace Windu purple. Yeah, that would yep. be good. That's what I picked. Purple. Yeah. Give me some Sam Jackson purple. Yep. Yep. And then the last email here today comes from back in my day. Wants to know when you were a kid, what age did you consider old? Like 25. 25. Like, really, I do remember having a babysitter when I was probably 9, 10, 11 years old and uh, being like, how old are you? And she was like, I'm 27 years old. And I was like, what? What? You're so old. How many kids do you have? Uh, I kind of had older parents, though, so the age thing wasn't too But But definitely when you're that young and you hear somebody in their 20s or like they just got out of college, it's like, whoa, they're so old. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember being kind of impervious to thinking old because my dad was older when he had me so i put like 60 because yeah. i knew my grandparents were over 60 um but i do remember specifically being a freshman in high school and thinking seniors are so old yes like the such a huge difference when i get to a senior i'm an adult right you're really not, you're <laughs> not. by title only by title only 
But that wraps up emails today, so make sure you email us at Overdue Homework Podcast and check us out on Twitter at Overdue Homework and Instagram at Overdue Homework Podcast. Thank you to all of our listeners. We're very excited for the rest of 2023. And as always, don't forget to tune in to the next exciting episode of the Overdue Homework Podcast. <laughs>